When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From the Baltimore Ravens, this is Man of the Crowd, a multi-episode podcast that pulls back the curtain on Ravens figures' personal lives. This season, the Harbaugh family. I'm Sarah Ellison. What could possibly have it better than us? No way! We're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. You are fighters. And that's what you are going to be. Today, tomorrow, you are going to fight. Wouldn't you think that a controversial ending in the first ever Super Bowl that featured two brothers facing off as head coaches would constitute as a topic that's off limits at the family dinner table? Well, not if you're John and Jim Harbaugh. They've never shied away from conflict. Jim told me... I was very curious about this. He said that when you two get together, conversations about the Super Bowl are not off limits. I'm wondering, four years later, what are those conversations? What do they look like? The thing about the officiating in the game has never been resolved. I mean, and he's okay. never going to, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that one for sure. You know, he forgets the calls that went his way down the stretch. And, uh, and, he, and he, I think he over-exaggerates the calls that didn't get called against him, especially in the last series and all that. But, you know, he's never going to agree with that. I mean, he's never going to take that position. So it's just we're basically at a hard – there's a line in the sand on that. I think we're both amazed by the, the, this, that it even happened. For the past 12 years, I've been working for the Baltimore Ravens. And I've always wished that I could give fans the same inside, personal view that I enjoy. And dinner conversations between two of the top head coaches in the country are exactly the kind of details that I want to get into. So more than a year ago, I came up with this Man of the Crowd podcast idea. It's designed to dive much deeper into the lives of key Ravens figures. And when I say deeper, I mean way deeper. Like eight episodes about 45 minutes each in length deeper, all on one main story. Lots of people ask me where I came up with the name Man of the Crowd, and it's not original. It's the name of a short story written by Edgar Allan Poe in 1840, in which a nameless narrator is watching a crowd of people in London and suddenly becomes fascinated with one intriguing man in that crowd. So the narrator starts to follow him around London all night, telling of the twists and turns that continued into the morning. Hopefully I'm not giving off a stalker vibe here, but I identified with the nameless narrator who really isn't recognized by the crowd or the fascinating man, but has stories to tell of them. That feels like me. 
so I thought the title was fitting. Anyway, the man of the Ravens crowd I chose to focus on for this season of the podcast is head coach John Harbaugh. Although it's not just about him. You could even call this season's podcast family of the crowd because I've set out to take you inside the entire Harbaugh family. And to do that, for the past year, I've interviewed multiple members of the first family of football, former teammates, players, journalists, and the men who hired both John and his brother Jim for their current jobs. Upwards of 25 interviews were conducted. And I have to thank the Harbaugh's up front for giving me incredible access. I think well, cool. I've had you for almost two hours. Yeah, I appreciate it. I needed it. <laughs> you know, it was very therapeutic for me. Oh, good. To talk about that stuff, so thanks. Good, I yeah, no, thank it. you for giving me the time. It's, um, it's perspective. My wheels are turning, and I just, oh my gosh, I want to do this thing justice. Yeah. You know. You will. You'll do great with it. We'll see. You'll do great with it. I think you got, I think you got something almost iconic here. I mean, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I just think this is something that really could be something that could last. Yeah. For really a long time. Honestly, we're like, I want your grandkids to listen to it yeah. and be like, oh, I get my Grandpa John now or, right. you know, or my Uncle John or whoever. Right. Like, yeah. this is the family I come from. Yeah. This is, this this is, what is the name part stands of, for. this is what the name stands for. This is what I want to live up to. This is who makes me me. Yeah, you got it. The best place to start with the Harbaugh family is probably the Super Bowl. I could argue that Super Bowl 47 is one of the best championship games in NFL history. Although, it's mostly famous for what went wrong as opposed to what went right after Beyonce's halftime performance. After that, the lights in New Orleans literally shut down and there was a bizarre blackout in the Superdome that caused a 34-minute delay in the game. Somehow, a massive outage of power in New Orleans Superdome has put this game on hold. All of the lights on the 49ers side of the Superdome are out. How the hell does this happen? This is just insane. It also featured a dramatic 22-point second-half comeback that fell just five yards short on a controversial play in the final minute. It's nearly five years later, and the brothers, media, and fans still debate that controversial play. But what I find most compelling and it's one of the reasons I've spent the last year working on this podcast, is Super Bowl Forty-Seven featured the ultimate sibling rivalry. It pitted John Harbaugh against his younger brother of just 15 months, Jim Harbaugh, head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. As I mentioned before, it was the first ever Super Bowl contested by brothers. As such, the game affectionately became dubbed Harbaugh. Excited? Yeah, very excited. Good. Good. Yeah, absolutely. How can you not be? Huh? All right, I'll see you. Hey, come here. Be good today. Okay. Proud of you. Really proud of you. The brotherly fight for the Lombardi Trophy began favoring the older Harbaugh. John's Ravens seemed like they couldn't be stopped. Bolden, touchdown, Ravens! And the Ravens strike first in Super Bowl 47. Black of play action. Throws, end zone, touchdown, Ravens! Dennis Pitta on the receiving end. Yeah! Ravens quarterback Joe Flacco was putting together a performance that is still compared to some of the all-time greats. He was absolutely 
on fire. Throwing deep. He's got Jacoby Jones open at the 10. Jones makes the catch. He's not touched. It was complete domination as the 49ers fell behind 15 points heading into halftime. Then things only got worse for San Francisco when the Ravens' Jacoby Jones returned to kickoff for a Super Bowl record 108 yards. He could. 20. No flag. He will. Go all the way, Jacoby Jones! There were no signs of life in the 49ers. With a 22-point deficit in the third quarter, it got to the point where San Francisco needed to craft one of the biggest comebacks in Super Bowl history if they were going to win the game. 49ers linebacker Patrick Willis was on the sideline trying to motivate his teammates to hold on to some shred of hope. In a fight, sometimes hey, you're going you're gonna, to gonna take some blows. Odds might be a little swole. Tell me you stop fighting. You don't stop fighting until you're down and out, until you dead. Something big got to happen, man. Willis got his wish. Something big was about to happen. Kaepernick wants to throw under pressure, and he's sacked back yeah. at the 40-yard line. Why is the clock stop? Why is the clock stop? With 13.28 left in the third quarter, and somehow a massive outage of power in New Orleans Superdome has put this game on hold. All of the lights on the 49ers' side of the Superdome are out. You can only imagine the scramble officials are going through. And this has lapsed into the surreal. The lights go out in the Super Bowl? One of the biggest sporting events on planet Earth? How in the world does that happen? Well, I was actually there when it all went down. I was sitting in my Superdome seat next to my husband, and initially, my heart started to race because I thought all the lights were going to shut down, and I thought we'd be in pitch black. At first, I imagined mass hysteria, with the stadium full of 72,000 fans and a potential emergency evacuation, so I grabbed my personal belongings just in case. But it turned out that only the west side lost all its power, and in hindsight, Everyone remained remarkably calm given the circumstances. Nobody bolted for the exits. There was no commotion. There was just confusion. Still no official word. All they have on the video scoreboards. Sign of the obvious. We have experienced a partial interruption in <laughs> electrical you. service. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Please remain in your seat. Service will be restored momentarily. The key word is what is momentarily? It didn't take long for the conspiracy theories to set in. I'm not going to accuse nobody of nothing because I don't know facts. <laughs> but you a zillion dollar company and your lights go out. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> if you grew up like I grew up and you grew up in a household like I grew up, then sometimes your lights might go out because <laughs> times get hard. Ravens linebacker Ray Lewis joked, that maybe the NFL intended for it to happen so the game would be close. Some thought it was Beyonce's fault after her electric halftime performance. Or maybe it was a terrorist attack. But NFL officials quickly ruled out those possibilities. Here's an incredibly nerdy nutshell of what actually happened. It was later reported that the problem was in a switch gear in one of two brand new cable feeds that supplied power to the stadium from a half mile away. Ironically, all this new equipment was installed to avoid a power outage, but it turned out to be the cause. To fix the problem, all that was needed was a simple reboot of the system. 
but that was going to take some time. So both teams were on the field stretching and trying to keep warm and hydrated. On the 49ers sideline, they talked about using this unexpected twist as a way to reboot their own systems and use it as a fresh start. They knew the delay could hurt the Ravens' momentum, and then they could get back in the game. Meanwhile, John Harbaugh rounded up his team to try to make sure that that wouldn't happen. Hey, bring it up. I want to get everybody up here. Let's get everybody up. Hey, there ain't no mountain high enough, and there ain't no valley low enough, and there is nothing that's going to keep us from winning this championship. Not this and not nothing. We're going to win this game no matter how long it takes. No question this is going to affect the momentum of this game. It's going to go down to history. Then we're going to come back, and then they're going to be talking about, did the lights help the guys come back? But they're making progress. It's starting to come up. Yeah, they've got the grid coming back up, yeah. We're now ready to resume action. Let's go. Now resume the Super Bowl. In total, it took 34 minutes for the lights to come back on. And with it came a huge power surge to the San Francisco offense. Kaepernick under center. Play action, fires near side, completed the 15. Crabtree breaks a couple of tackles and strides in for a 49ers touchdown. Oh yeah, I come back. Great job, baby. This is what the Ravens feared coming out of that mm -hmm. half hour outage. The brotherly rivalry was back on. Suddenly, John's Ravens, who once seemed like they could do no wrong before the blackout, looked like a JV squad against the re-energized 49ers. But he always knew that his younger brother wouldn't quit. Inside handoff, Frank Gore running to the right. He's got plenty of room, and he's got a touchdown. We've got a ball game now. Look out. It was first-year starting quarterback Colin Kaepernick's turn to show off, doing so with both his arm and his legs. Gore to his left. Kaepernick wants to throw. Blitz pressure coming. Kaepernick sprints around the left edge. Room to run. He's at the 10, the 5, and he's in for the touchdown. Jim's 49ers scored three touchdowns in a little over 12 minutes. Now, their teams were separated by just five points. Harbaugh would be decided by three San Francisco offensive tries from the five-yard line with less than two minutes remaining. Kaepernick takes the snap, gonna roll to his right. Rolling, looking to the back of the end zone as Moss doesn't throw it down, throws it incomplete. What? That's a fly! Y'all gonna let them tackle me like that? That was crazy, man. Kaepernick back, throws the ball in the quick of the flat, caught by Crabtree, jarred incomplete. And now the 49ers Super Bowl will come down to fourth down. So keep now we win, Dean. Let's go. Let's go, baby. That's why you stand up at, right here. Less than two minutes remained in the Hall of Fame career of Ray Lewis. After letting the 49ers storm back, his defense was on the field and backed into a corner. If ever there was a time for a legend to make a legendary play, this was it. Hey, let's go. Keep them up. We win. One play. One play. One play, D. Let's go. Ray Lewis stares across the line at Colin Kaepernick. He's in the pistol. Frank Gore behind him. Lewis comes on a blitz. Kaepernick lob to the end zone. Incomplete. No flags on the play. Incomplete. Ray Lewis and the defense deliver and stop the 49ers at the five. While John's Ravens were celebrating one of the biggest defensive stops in Super Bowl history, 
His brother Jim was livid and screaming at the referees for a holding penalty against his wide receiver, Michael Crabtree. Crabtree and Ravens cornerback Jimmy Smith were both engaged in hand fighting on the play. Smith had a quick grab and Crabtree had a quick push off. Smith fell down in the end zone and then the pass fell incomplete just a few inches away from Crabtree's outstretched hands. The flag that Jim so desperately wanted would never come. The Ravens got the ball back with their protected five-point lead and managed to drain the clock to just four seconds remaining after a few rushing attempts and an intentional safety. To seal the win, they'd have to tackle 49ers dangerous returner Ted Ginn Jr. on the ensuing kickoff. Are we going to win this? Yeah, the game's over if we cover this kick. We don't make it easy, do we? No, we don't. That was Flacco and John Harbaugh contemplating the dramatic situation they found themselves in. John also turned to head referee Jerome Boger to comment on the craziness of the championship game. Jerome, it's wild, isn't it? It's wild, isn't it? It is. The job that we chose. To the finish. You picked this job. You chose to do this. <laughs> well, it's in your blood. Yeah, we're all guilty. All right. Yeah. I did, but it's in your blood. You were destined here. I chose to be here, but it's in your blood. You were destined to be here. Interestingly, Boger said that to himself after he walked away from John Harbaugh. The final play of the game was then underway. Ginn awaits. Cook hits a high spiral. Field by Ginn at the 18. Clock begins. Three seconds left. Two. Ginn to the 40. Time has expired. Ginn is tackled. And the haze in the barn! The Baltimore Ravens are Super Bowl champions! Woo! Let's bust out the crab cakes! Let's feast! Yeah! John had just earned the victory of his life, while Jim had just endured a heartbreaking defeat at the hand of his lifelong best friend and toughest competitor dating back to childhood. Now, they had to face each other at midfield for the traditional and much-anticipated post-game handshake. As the confetti fell, the brothers worked their way toward the middle of the field, surrounded by a pack of photographers trying to capture the historic moment. Congratulations. Oh, I'm ready. Congratulations. Okay. Hey, you too. Good job. Proud of you. Good job. There were no hugs, just a handshake and a couple of pats on each other's chest and back of the neck. And in a flash, Jim disappeared from the field. Their parents, Jack and Jackie, made their way down from their seats to congratulate John, who knew it must have been a bittersweet day for them. Mom, you made this all happen, Mom, for both of us. There are no losers. There are no, there are no losers. Mm, I love you. Dad, how about Jack Harbaugh? Who's got a better than Jim the Harbaugh's? Nobody. Nobody. I love you. We've seen it all tonight in New Orleans. A spectacular start, a blackout in the third quarter, a game that came down to nail-biter plays, and the career of Ray Lewis ends with a defensive stand for the ages. It's John Harbaugh over Jim Harbaugh. 
the Ravens over the 49ers. And for a second time, the Baltimore Ravens are Super Bowl champions of the world. I could give you more, but I'm just going to give you four reasons why I believe Super Bowl 47 deserves to be in the top 10 of the game's 51-year history. Number one, the blackout. The lights going out in and of itself makes this game stand out. And with all the technological advancements in the year 2013, it seems crazy that it could even happen, but it did. And more importantly than simply happening, it had a tangible effect on the game. Number two, the epic goal line stand in the final minutes. I'll put this one in perspective by pointing to Super Bowl 51, which we just witnessed a few months ago. It featured quarterback Tom Brady and the New England Patriots rallying from a 28-3 deficit in the third quarter to beat the Atlanta Falcons. The Patriots were down by 25 points, and they still wound up lifting the Lombardi Trophy by completing the largest comeback in Super Bowl history. Well, here's the point of bringing this up. Once you're on the ropes like the Falcons and Ravens were, it's extremely difficult to put your foot in the ground and make a stand. The Falcons' inability to stop the bleeding against the Patriots puts into perspective just how epic the Ravens' defensive goal line stand was against the surging 49ers. San Francisco had three tries from the five-yard line. Three! But Baltimore dug deep and found what it took to put the game away. Number three, the emotional and controversial down-to-the-wire ending. Just as expected, the Harbaugh battle turned out to be a close, physical clash with a tight 34-31 final score. Any Super Bowl that comes down to the final minute of the game, just five yards short of a completely different outcome and winner, deserves to be in the top ten. And finally, number four. It's very unlikely that we will ever see two brothers face off as head coaches in the Super Bowl again. How unique was the Super Bowl, having those two brothers there? Will oh my again? gosh, no, it will never happen again. That's John Eisenberg, my colleague and columnist for the Baltimore Ravens. He's been writing about sports for nearly three decades. The Super Bowl was like winning the lottery on back-to-back days. <laughs> that will never happen again. I mean, to, Why? Ha- to have, well, first off, to, I mean, how many, you know, of these brothers have ever just going to coaching at all? You know, there's plenty we don't hear about. I mean, Rob and Rex Ryan have gone into it, you know, gotten pretty far. Now that was one where it could have happened if the dominoes had fallen right for the right people. Mm-hmm. But just to, to have, first off, two coaches at all in the family have some success. The odds of that are really slim. To have two coaches, brothers, make it into the NFL, we're talking thousands to one there, I, I think. And then to have them both be winning in the same year and then to play each other in the Super Bowl, I think, I mean, honestly, you know, I think it's the sun rising in the West. Right. I don't think it's... <laughs> You know, I think, you know, it, it happened. So we all saw it. But I just thought, and, and we watched their careers unfold, and it sort of came together. But I just think it was just the craziest, most outlandish thing that will ever happen, that two coaches coached against each other, two brothers in the Super Bowl. 
I also called up and asked Rich Eisen, who is one of the most respected NFL journalists in the country, about this exact point. We'll never see it again. That's how special it is. We'll never see it again. It's never going to happen again. The odds of that happening, that just having brothers coaching in the NFL at the same time are infinitesimal. And then having them be in separate conferences where they could set up to be playing in the biggest game of them all, and it happens. You know, it's just, it's never going to happen again. You got to come from good stock. You got to come from a good football family. And you got to be very, very, very good at what you do. And, um, Again, it's like a lightning strike, maybe even more of a, a worse odds than a lightning strike. But I'm glad that I was able to see it. I'm glad the Harbaugh's were, too. Um, and um, it was really special to cover. And it was special to be there. And, you know, it was it was terrific. It was a, a, a Harbaugh palooza that I will never forget and we'll never see anything like that again. Okay. I've laid out my arguments about why I think Super Bowl 47 is one of the best in history. But here's the thing. As good as Harbaugh was, with the blackout, the near comeback, the epic goal line stand, and memorable finish, as exciting as all of that was, my feeling is that you cannot fully appreciate this game until you get to know the Harbaugh's on a personal level. And that's what I've set out to do with this podcast to take you inside the Harbaugh family. Here's my analogy of what I think this will do. It's like the vision seen from two eyes. For example, try closing your left eye and take a look around with only your right. Then switch by opening your left eye and closing your right. Alternate back and forth a couple of times. You don't see the same thing with two eyes separately, but it is the combination of those two views that gives you three-dimensional perception and shows you a lot more than either eye by itself sees. My theory is that a new perspective will be gained for the Super Bowl when you combine both the game itself with the Harbaugh family background. You will better appreciate both together. As I mentioned before, I was at the game and as a Ravens employee, I'll be honest about the fact that I was happy that Baltimore won. I got to enjoy the post-game celebration with all the players where Mary J. Blige performed. I got a Super Bowl ring, and I was part of the White House visit with President Barack Obama. It is definitely a time in my life that I will never forget. Having said all that, I hope you'll believe me when I say that, as happy as I was, almost immediately after the game ended, my heart went out to Jim and his parents and really the entire Harbaugh family. Because I was wondering how they were dealing with what I imagined was a bittersweet moment. And questions flooded my mind that I'm sure many of you have too. For example, is the thrill of victory for John diminished knowing that it was accomplished by robbing his brother of his lifelong dream to win a Super Bowl too? Can John truly feel happy knowing that his flesh and blood was hurting? And could Jim find pleasure for John's life achievement despite the heartache of losing? And how did their parents and sister Joni handle the moment? These are dilemmas that even young, innocent minds can comprehend. I'll get into this later, but if I've learned anything from the Harbaugh's, it's that you include your children in your work wherever you can. So, I asked my two sons how they would feel if they were faced with these family dynamics. I'm Aiden and I'm five. My name is Gunnar Ellison. I'm, of course, your son, and you know I'm seven years old. (laughs) 
All right. Well, this is what I want to know. If you were like John Harbaugh, because you're the oldest brother. And Aiden was like Jim Harbaugh. And Aiden was like Jim Harbaugh, because he's your younger brother. Yeah. How would you feel about having to play against him in the Super Bowl? Well, uh, You too, Aiden. Scared. Why? Because if you're younger, you might be a little weaker. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, who would you want to win? Would you want to beat Gardner, or would you want Gardner to win? Hmm. It's kind of hard to choose. Yeah. But chance you like yourself and you like your brother, and that's kind of a hard question. Yeah. Yeah, but you could say that you just don't care and say you would be happy for your brother winning and be sad for you. You'd be happy for you and sad for your brother. You could say that if you wanted. What do you think of that? Mm. How about you? Don't yes? know. You don't know. Okay, well, here's my other... Maybe we can just try our best. This would be very hard for me. What? Who should I root for? Well, you should try to... This is odd, Kristen. Folks, this is <laughs> kind of too hard to get. It's too hard. I answered Maybe question. you can just cheer to both of them then tell you know if they win. You should just don't care who wins because uh, they're both your sons. It's really hard to make it to the Super Bowl, so you should probably be proud of both of us and don't care who wins. Just be proud of both of us because whoever loses, it's also really hard to make it to the Super Bowl and beat the other team that made it to the Super Bowl because both of the teams are really tough and made it to the Super Bowl. Right. Okay, let's say after the game. Mm-hmm. Let's say that you have to go back with the Ravens, and you guys are having a big celebration party. Dancing and music and having fun. And then Aiden goes with his team, and everybody's sad. Who should I go with? Should I go with you to the party, or should I go with Aiden? To cheer him up. To cheer him up. Which Go with Aiden to cheer him up. Why? Because if he's just sad and you're doing a party with me, he would probably be even more sad. So you should probably cheer him up so he could be happy too. Who should I go with? Go with Gardner and... Go with Gardner? And get him some of his favorite toys of all time. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if a toy from the store could heal all wounds? Unfortunately, it wasn't that simple. But here's the thing. The Harbaugh's were able to substitute something in for a toy that actually did simplify things a great deal. And that thing was the spirit of competition. Anyone who knows the Harbaugh's also knows that they might be the most competitive people on the planet. And I'm not exaggerating. Winning and being the absolute best is the top priority. It doesn't matter what the competition is. The Super Bowl or a friendly pickup basketball game. And it doesn't matter who is standing in your way, your brother or even a complete stranger. I talked with Raven's Senior Vice President of Public Relations, Kevin Byrne, about a time that he witnessed the brothers coming up with a random competition as full-grown adults, and they genuinely cared about winning. It occurred in 2011, just before the Ravens and 49ers were scheduled to face off for the first time during the regular season with John and Jim as head coaches. We did a shoot for HBO the summer before we played the 49ers on Thanksgiving night, so the two brothers were going to face each other. 
So Andrea Kramer for HBO comes up with a concept. It's a good one. If I can get Jim to Gettysburg, mm-hmm. you know, the big battle of the war between the states, you know, family at war, so to speak, civil war, right. brother against brother, do you think John would do it? I said, there's no doubt. If Jim's going, he's going, you know. So Andrea comes back and said that Jim's going to go. So we go out to Gettysburg in the summer. It was maybe late June, early July. And in fact, my wife Sally went with me because Ingrid was going out because they're going to tour Gettysburg a little bit. So there's a, um, a large stanchion at Gettysburg that you can climb and to the top mm-hmm. and see the whole battlefield. You know, so the two of them are talking and they're filming the two of them talking as they approach the entrance to this and Andrea Kramer's kind of standing off to the side along with her producer and uh, they get to the first step and John looks over at Jim Jim looks over at John and they start going Jim he takes off and and John tries to grab the back of his pants. Now, this is a little dangerous, too. These are two adults, by the way. And they are now racing up these stairs to see who get to the top of the stanchion first. And at first, I thought, oh, that's cute. That's funny. Then you see, no, they were serious about it. It was important. It was important for one to be first. And so the day continued. And so uh, Jim at one time mentioned, you know, it's really going to be hard for us to go play on Sunday, go across the country, and have to play you guys on Thanksgiving night. So you're you're going to have an advantage there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and John says, "Well, you got to deal with stuff like that. We all deal with schedule headaches." And so I say to Jim, because I know Jim well enough, I say, "You know, quit whining." And he spins on me. And he goes, I'm not whining. I'm talking about unfairness. I'm talking about NFL unfairness. Ozzy's on that competition committee. Your owner's loved by the commissioner's office. And that's why I've got to take my team all the way across the country. After playing on Sunday, i got to travel on Wednesday morning, come out and play you guys on Thursday night on a holiday, and you have an advantage. I am not whining about it. I'm going, holy cow. <laughs> you know, and John kind of looks over at him and goes, it is kind of whining. <laughs> and then he leaps into John about it. And then John leaps back saying, it's not about my franchise getting extra things. We all have to do these things. I'm going to have to do it. Then uh, Jim goes, you know what? I hope in four years when we have to play each other again that you have to come to my place on Thanksgiving night. You know, and, and my wife Sally is standing there, and it's like 100 degrees, and we're in this parking lot, and we're all sweating. And she starts backing away. like She goes, I thought they were going to come to blows. you know. And then the conversation ends, and they kind of put their arm around each other and walk across and say, hey, do you want to get some lunch now before we go back? There's, 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 that's part of it. I went back and watched that episode on HBO. Andrea Kramer sat down for an interview with the siblings at a staged dinner table that you would likely see at a traditional Gettysburg home from that era. Here's Jim. He's my best friend. Next to my wife, my dad and my brother are my best friend. But he will be a guy that I'm trying to beat. I'm not going to be friends with him. It will be combative. It will be competitive. And uh, that's just the way we want it. Did you hear that banging? That's Jim pounding the table that had the 1860 metal dinnerware sitting on top of it. He's being dead serious about his approach to playing against his brother. He calls him a guy. He will be a guy that I'm trying to beat. 
I'm not going to be friends with him. It will be combative. Pete Gilbert, WBAL-TV. How are you doing, Coach? Two years later, this is a Super Bowl press conference just a few days before the game. Their approach didn't change after their head-to-head Thanksgiving battle, which the Ravens also won 16-6. As the older brother, you want to kind of always, I suspect, protect a little bit. That threat you're growing up, do you still feel that way with Jim? And I guess, like on Sunday, the possibility to take away a dream of his to fulfill your own. Is that... Is that hard at all? No, not at all. <laughs> I suspect he feels the same way. You know, it's, it's about the teams. You know, we, we, are, we are fiercely loyal. There's no doubt. I think we'd all, we'd all say that, you know, not just of one another, and we always have been. You know, that's, that's definitely not ever going to change. We will continue to be fiercely loyal and protective of one another, but also of our teams. And Jim had mentioned earlier in the week, he talked about the brotherhood, the band of brothers. Uh, the brothers that'll take the field, and that's true. You know, the band of brothers will be the brothers on the sideline. It'll be the Ravens sideline, it'll be the 49ers sideline. That'll be the band of brothers in this competition. To drive home the importance of this competition theme one last time, listen to John's appearance on the David Letterman show on CBS just a few days after his Super Bowl win over his brother. What uh, did you say to your brother after the game? What did he say to you? I told him that uh, I told him I loved him. You know, good game, and uh, and he said congratulations. Right. You know, I'm proud H- of him. Have you spoken to him since? I have not. We have not had a conversation since. <laughs> we will soon. I, I I mean I guess unless you're in that position, you don't really know what it is. But what was it? It's your brother. Do you are you able to dismiss that? Is it meaningless once the game starts? Uh, yeah, it kind of is. I mean, you, you, look, you look across the field and you see him and you kind of see what he's doing over there and you kind of say, hey. Now, the, the time, I didn't really have a problem with looking at him on the, on the other sideline. That seemed normal to me. When I looked out there and saw him in the other huddle, mm-hmm. in their huddle, when they were getting ready to run a play, yeah, yeah. That, seemed, that seemed like Jim. Did you ever get a sense growing up that there was favoritism one to the other? Were, were you the favorite? Was, was uh, Jim the favorite? Did you ever get I felt a sense like Jim that? was the favorite pretty much our whole... <laughs> I did, I did. Jim felt like he was the favorite, but uh-huh. in truth, Joni, our sister, she was truly the favorite. She was the little baby girl. Joni? Joni. Now, where that's, does she coach? She... So what are you going to do now? Uh, Hunting, I'm, fishing? I, no, we're going to go back to football. It never when ends. When will you talk to your brother? I, I'm hoping sometime, you know, soon. We actually, we have meetings coming up. We have a combine in two weeks. Is, is there animosity here? No. No, you know what there is. Is he feeling bad? Is he, do you need to reach out to him? He's playing golf today. Playing He's golf playing golf today? To, yeah. He, no, there's no consolation. There's no way that you console your brother. Right. Anybody that has a brother knows that. Mm-hmm. You don't console your brother. It doesn't work. Uh, not having a brother, I have two sisters, uh, and it was unlikely that any of us would have coached the Super Bowl game. <laughs> uh, so I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is. You wake up thinking, oh, thank God I beat him, or oh, I won, but oh, too bad. I just don't know what that you is. Think of, you, you know what? You do wake up thinking, thank God I beat him. <laughs> you do, yes. <laughs> it would have been a long life, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is from your Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> Ravens. <laughs> Super Bowl champion. Yep, David Letterman just said Baltimore Raisins. He's funny even when he doesn't mean to be. But... I have to be honest about something. I didn't expect the Harbaugh's to have this broad of a line drawn in the sand. Sure, everyone wants to win. Heck, I'd want to win if I were in their shoes, but I thought there would be a lot more mixed emotions. And I totally understand the Band of Brothers concept, where their loyalty to each other must be replaced by their loyalty to their teams. 
And that makes total sense because John and Jim had hundreds of players' dreams in their hands. The athletes worked and sacrificed their whole lives to get to this point. So the brothers had to worry about them and the millions of fans from the cities of Baltimore and San Francisco. But still, even with all that, thanking the man above for beating his brother and saying it would have been a long life otherwise, that was surprising to me at least. Or Jim saying he wanted to be combative. That was also striking. But the more I talked with the Harbaugh's, the more I got their approach. And don't get this mentality confused with machismo, where two brothers who grew up in sports are simply puffing out their chest and pounding it to prove that they are superior. Although, there's probably a little bit of that in play, but more than anything, competing to become the best is a family motto. I spoke with their parents, and they were equally as passionate about the topic. Here's mom Jackie, followed by dad, Jack. Do you think at all, I remember John was asked at the Super Bowl if as the older brother, he felt like maybe even just a tiny bit that he kind of hopes his little brother wins the game. And John was like, nope, not at all. Is that pretty characteristic of them? It doesn't matter if it was the Super Bowl or young, they always wanted to win. And, and Well, you know what? It's Don't you think that's true of everybody, though? I yeah. mean, come on. Don't you want to win in your profession, too, with what you're doing with any project you have? Don't you want it to be the best project out there? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, well, what's the point of doing it? Right. I mean, what's the point of doing it? So if if you're in a game, a card game or whatever, most people really do want to win. I just think, you know, how do you get better at anything if your goal isn't to do it the very best you can do it with the hopes that in the end you're going to be the victorious? And why are you coaching then if you don't want that for your team? That's true. A lot of people depending on you. A lot of people depending on you. So, yeah, you want to win, and my brother or not my brother, you know? Like, John would never feel guilty for winning, would he? No. I like mean, he, he 100% enjoyed He feels that. good. Yeah, okay. I, I, I beat him. And he shouldn't him. feel guilty. I beat yeah. him, and you shouldn't feel any other way. Why would you ever want to feel... Because if he, if he won, I would expect he would be, you know, right. he would, that's a feeling he's going to have. Right. But that's the beauty of life. Yeah. That's not a negative. In our society today, we want to make competition negative. Mm. If you're not competitive, I guarantee you, you're, you're, you're swimming backwards. I mean, you're not moving forward. You've got to be competitive. You got to, the juice has got to flow every day. And just today, it happens to be your brother. Right. <laughs> Still attack life with an enthusiasm yeah, the unknown, unknown to mankind. mankind. There any question about that. If you haven't heard the Harbaugh theme, attack life with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind, you will by the end of this podcast. It's right up there in popularity with the family's other famous line, Who's got it better than us? Nobody. But it's important that you pick up on a big piece of the family's competition motto that Jack touched on. If you truly want to understand the Harbaugh's, you need to understand this piece. And it's about feelings. Jack said that not only did John have an absence of guilt, he felt good about beating Jim. This is an essential part of competition. After you battle it out with everything you have, mind, body, spirit. There's no hard feelings afterwards. 
you better be ready to move on because the Harbaugh's already have. Here's John Eisenberg again. I do think, you know, John will always think that, you know, I found a way to win that game. Yeah. And uh, Because there is something about, because what people don't understand with that mentality with John being happy and not feeling bad about, you know, beating his brother, is that's just them, like... They, John can get into an argument, whether it's with the press or the player or, or whatever. I mean, I've heard plenty of stories. You get in an argument, you battle it out for your position, and then after it, John's, it's not like John's angry. It's not like John's angry. It's like, what, what? We had to get to the truth there. We had to get to, you know, the best method there. We had to do whatever. Like, I didn't hurt your feelings, right? Like, that didn't hurt your feelings. That, that, that's the point. And that's just, John and Jim have been competing for their entire lives like that. And then after you're done, you don't be mad at each other, right? That's very I mean, true. It's very true. I've actually had those arguments with John Harbaugh. Have you? <laughs> yes, several. And so, yes, but that's very true. When it's over, it's like, okay, we good? It's over. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and you're a little rattled, you know, but uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, you better be because he's moving on. Yeah. So, but yeah, that, I mean, that's just what it is. And that's, that's how they are. The object was to win. It doesn't mean that he, don't, he doesn't love his brother just as much. Yeah. What, what are they supposed to do in that situation? Right. But what's really amazing is, you know, since then, I mean, I've seen, I mean, Jim comes crawling. He's around the Ravens. I've seen him on some sidelines. I've seen him in locker rooms and you know, he puts on the hat. I mean, on to the next yeah, this is the team yeah. that beat me in the Super Bowl. You know, he doesn't even blink. It's true family love. It really is. It really is. Obviously, the idea of competing to be the best, no matter who the opponent, has worked really well for the Harbaugh's, both in dealing with the emotions of the Super Bowl game, but also in John and Jim's careers. But there's a downside to this approach, especially when dealing with people who don't have the same competitive spirit or feel like the Harbaugh's can take competition to the extreme. These people can be left feeling rattled or even drained, and it's made for some significant bumps along both their careers. This season on Man of the Crowd. What are your impressions of Jim? Crazy. Jim is hyper, hyper competitive. He can never lose even when he's won. He got mistreated really badly in one of those jobs, really badly. And I know that. Yeah, I do think Jim is misunderstood sometimes. What do you think Bo would say right now if he saw Jim leading this program? Oh, he'd be so proud. And I think he does know. How about that? I think he looks down. I'm getting emotional just talking about it. I think when John came in the the building, he was expecting a fight. You either sit up or you can leave. Ed got up and just walked out the oh, I was like, huh? <laughs> That was a really bad vibe. And I told him that will be your biggest challenge. And he had that hardball look. You know, you get that hardball look, the eyes, mm-hmm. his lip was quivering. What'd you think? That last play, what'd you think? It was holding, wasn't it? It brings tears to my eyes thinking about it because it's huge, you know, it's, um, they both traveled a different path. And John traveled a long path 
You might say in Jim's shadow. And there were times I didn't have a friend. Uh, as you know, I, sometimes I wear those out. Uh, sometimes he was my only friend. This is all about family, and in the end, what does it come down to? It comes down to your family. Hey, Man of the Crowd listeners, before you go, I want to run through a couple housekeeping items first. If you like what you've heard in episode one, be sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to this. I'll post a new episode every Monday morning leading up to the Ravens' season opener against the division rivals Cincinnati Bengals on September 10th. Then you'll get a bonus ninth episode on the Friday before that game. Also, we've created a Man of the Crowd microsite. I think you'll like it because it has tons of great content that will complement what you're listening to here. It has a list of biographies about some of the key interviews I've done over the last year, and that should help you better understand and identify the voices that you'll get to know throughout this podcast. There's also an episode guide to get a sneak peek of what's coming up this season. And then there's some pretty cool photo galleries. We have one of the Harbaugh family from when John and Jim were growing up as young boys. And then there's a Super Bowl 47 photo gallery that features family moments during the game. Check it out on BaltimoreRavens.com backslash man of the crowd. And finally, I want to hear from you guys. If you have any comments or questions or whatever, hit me up on Twitter. My handle is at SG Ellison. I look forward to your feedback and I'd love to interact with you. Okay, that's it. That's all I've got. But I'll be back next week with episode two, Inside the Mind of a Harbaugh.